Hello, everybody. This is Father Tom Provenzano coming to you with another episode of the Axe Podcast. This is going to be a, a short episode, uh, but I wanted to make sure I uh, got this particular uh, sermon uh, uploaded uh, and uh, on the uh, podcast before midnight tonight. I was hoping this would be a part of a, a longer episode and a more varied episode, but because of a combination of uh, technical and also kind of scheduling problems. I wasn't able to get the whole episode done, but I at least wanted to get this segment um, up and uh, and quote-unquote on the air. Uh, it's my sermon for the Solemnity of Christ the King. It's about 15 minutes, and I hope that, uh, you know, I hope that uh, you gain uh, something from it, but I'm going to have uh, follow-ups uh, during the week. Uh, either again with a, a series of maybe shorter, more uh, truncated episodes, or maybe as a part of a longer episode. But again, at least wanted to get this uh, uh, particular uh, sermon up before again, while it's still before midnight, but while it's still the feast solemnity of, of Christ the King. So again, hope you enjoy it. Hope you, g- you gain something out of it. God bless all of you. Know that all of you are in my prayers. And uh, though I do plan on getting uh, some. Uh, some more uh, content posted before Thanksgiving. If I don't, happy Thanksgiving to everybody, and I know that you're all in my prayers. God bless. Bye-bye. Moses was having a rough day. Moses was in the desert, as we know, with the Israelites for 40 years. He had been given this mission from God to lead the Israelites out of slavery. And he was in charge. To put it in kind of our contemporary way of thinking, he was the president, he was the Congress, and most of all, he was the, the Supreme Court, as well as being the Pope, okay? Metaphorically speaking, not literally speaking, but he was the religious authority as well, all wrapped up into one. And what this meant was that from morning until night, from dawn until dusk, he had people coming to him with their problems, with their lawsuits, essentially. Disputes between neighbors, you know. He put his his tent post a little too close to my property line. You know, and, you know, he's encringing on my, I need a variance here because I want to put an extension on my, on my tent, okay? Some things were very minor and kind of petty, and some things were very serious. But whether they were big or small, Moses listened to them all. And it just so happened that on this particular day, Moses' father-in-law was visiting, his father-in-law Jethro. And when evening came and, you know, Moses finally collapses in his tent from exhaustion, Jethro kind of says to him, you know, Moses, what are you doing? You're going to kill yourself here. You shouldn't be taking care of every little, piddly little case that comes in front of you. There's a better way of doing this. Assign leaders over groups of tens and fifties and hundreds and thousands. 
And the smaller cases, let them take care of. And, you know, each case that's a little bit bigger gets bumped up a rung in the ladder until finally only the most important things are going to end up with you. Okay? It's much, much better way to do it. Much, much better way to do it. And Moses actually does take his advice. And this sort of form of, of what we call judges rule, ruling Israel really endured for a very long time up until the time when they adopted a monarchy. Now, you know, why do I bring this up? Because th- this is not one of the readings that we heard today, obviously. This is from Exodus uh, chapter 18. I bring it up because to make it something very clear on this Feast of Christ the King, the church, and really Christian tradition in general, does not endorse one form of government over another. Okay. The Christian religion and the Catholic religion is not looking to establish what's called a theocracy, a government by clerics, a government by priests and bishops. We have always had this idea that there is a distinction between the two powers. And it's and really God has given us the authority, just like he gave Moses the authority, but then now it's up to us in terms of how we organize it and get it done. The Feast of Christ the King is here to remind us that no matter what form of government that we have, we always have to remember that all power comes from God. And all earthly power, political power, is answerable to God. There is no hiding from it. My sisters and brothers, Back in the day when we had kings and queens, maybe it was easier to say that, well, you know what? It's the king's responsibility. The king is the one who takes the oath to follow God's will on earth. We believed, or they believed, that the kings got their authority because of their bloodline and because they were a member of a particular familial dynasty. And that even when it happened that a dynasty had to change, whoever came into power to replace the old dynasty had to somehow prove that they were of royal blood and had a claim on the throne. We don't claim that today. We claim that our leaders... Our political system has its legitimacy through the will of the governed. That's us. We are the governed. And we exercise that will every time we go into a voting booth. In a way, we are the ones now more directly responsible to God for the government that we have. For we claim that it's through our will that these leaders govern. It's a very heavy responsibility.
but one that we have to understand ultimately all power in heaven and on earth has been handed over to Christ. And this feast of Christ the King is here to remind us of that. Christ received the power because he was obedient to the will of the Father. He suffered the cross, suffered his passion, glorifying the Father through his obedience. He glorifies the Father through his obedience. The Father glorifies him through the resurrection. And through putting all the power in the universe in his hands. And when our Lord returns in his glory upon the clouds, as we hear in the book of Revelation, he will judge the nations. It's interesting. Judge the nations. Yes, he'll judge us each as individuals, but he will judge us as nations as well. How well as a nation, as a people, did we follow the will of God? And did we follow his precepts and his ways? Now, my sisters and brothers, again, how we organize ourselves is up to us. God's not telling us how to do it. But what God is asking us is that whatever we do and in however we organize it, we remember the gospel and gospel values and have these be our God. It's not that the Ten Commandments as they come out of the Old Testament need to be explicitly the law of the land. It's not that the precepts of the church need to somehow be adopted into the legal code of the country. But somehow, no matter what government is in power at that time, it respects the faith and respects our individual consciences in order to follow our faith. The reason why this feast was established back in the 1920s was because at that time there was a rise of totalitarianism in the form of communism, which called people to put their faith in a system and an ideology and ultimately a government and a bureaucracy, and loosely speaking, fascism which called the people not so much to put their faith in an ideology. Fascism is actually somewhat difficult to define what exactly it is. It didn't have a clearly defined ideology like communism did. But what it did call the people to was total dedication to the leader. Il Duce, (laughs) the Fuhrer, okay? As Hitler once famously said, I am the party and the party is me. You can't be for the party and against Hitler. Okay, because the two things are the same thing. The Pope at that time was saying, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Hold on a little, hold on a second. Of course we are respectful of our leaders. 
Of course, we strive to be honest citizens and good neighbors. But our loyalty first is to our families. Our loyalty first is to our local community. Our loyalty first and foremost before all of that is to God. And no earthly power can force an individual or a family to turn against God and to be disobedient to their well-formed conscience. My sisters and brothers, this is a day to reflect on these things, to reflect on how we are as a nation. Are we a nation truly under God? Yes, a nation that is pluralistic, that has many different religions and many different faiths, and people of no faith at all. Are we as Catholics respectful of that? But at the same time, is our nation truly respectful of us as Catholics who believe in the sanctity of life, who believe that the family is the building block of society and needs to be protected? Is that really being respected? Or are we being forced coercively to accept things which simply go against the gospel of Jesus Christ? We're being, are we being asked to do more than simply tolerate? Are we being asked to accept things which simply go against the gospel, its values, and the good that comes to us from God? My sisters and brothers, It's not a mistake that this feast lands today, the last Sunday of Ordinary Time. For it brings together many of the themes we've been meditating on in the last couple of weeks and that we will be meditating on at the beginning of Advent. Namely, that the world as we know it is passing away. There is nothing permanent. The only permanent thing is change. And the only sure thing is that one day the world as we know it will pass away. We could be talking about the political order that we live in, the societal order that we live in. Ultimately, we're talking about the world itself, that when the Lord returns, he will transform heaven and earth. He will bring together heaven and earth. And we will live in a new creation, in glorified bodies. But first, we will be judged. Did we follow our rightly formed consciences? Did we follow the gospel? Did we have false gods by way of ideologies and political movements that superseded our life as Christians. This is a reality. This is what, you know, this is what it's all about. Ultimately, we are living in the end times. 
When the actual end will come, we don't know. As I said last week, it's been 2,000 years. Maybe it'll be 2,000 years more, okay, before our Lord comes in his glory. Or maybe it'll be a lot sooner than all of us expect. Either way, it's for us, both as individuals, as families, as communities, and as a nation, to examine our consciences and to return to the Lord to turn back to him with all our hearts and to accept him in our hearts today and every day.